Conference of Champions rolls on. No truck stops here. We are the Pac-12. We are the best of the best. Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 podcast. I'm Carlos, and here with me, as always, is Avery. Hey. And Greg. What's up? Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at No Truck Stops Pod, and send us your questions at No Truck Stops Podcast at gmail.com. This is our basketball episode recapping Pac-12 hoops over the past week. Once again, no Matt Hubertson with us today. He's rewatching every college football game in history in complete silence in his basement. But he'll be back for hoops next week. Um, did you all did you all know that he watches it in complete silence? Is that I not serial killer? Every game. I, I didn't think, know he did every game. I I don't think he does every game. I think a lot of this is fake because he talks about what the commentators say more than okay. he should for someone who has every game <laughs> muted. I think half of it's just like bluster. Okay. Because. I know he always talks about muting Rod Gilmore and uh, who's the other guy that I'm blinking that's just makes Brando. all the puns. Yeah, it was Tim Brando. Brando, yeah. Yeah. No, and Petro. Oh, Petro's oh, Papadakis. Yeah. Yes. yeah, he's also annoying. Yeah. <sighs> and I, he also was complaining about Gus Johnson at one point, which I thought oh, was Oh, crazy to me. Crazy. I like Gus, Gus Johnson's Johnson. slander is not okay. What is wrong with you? Matthew Hubertson, what's wrong with I you, can't watch. I can't watch games in silence. I would have to like listen to a radio broadcast. Occasionally, I'll watch a game while listening to music, but it has to be something that I care absolutely nothing about, and then it's like peaceful. But if I have like any sort of interest in the game, I have to watch with the audio. Yeah, insane, weird, (laughs) very weird. Anyway, uh, we have plenty of shooty hoops to talk about, but first, I kind of wanted to ask. I wanted to ask this during the football episode. We're running out of time. Uh, I saw this discourse kind of happening over the weekend, uh, and. I don't know. I saw a range of opinions was shocking to me. Do you all like Thanksgiving food? I keep I keep seeing and hearing people saying how Thanksgiving food is bad, and, and I'm like, I don't get it. I like I don't know what the fuck people are talking about. But Greg, do you do you like Thanksgiving food? I love Thanksgiving food, uh, especially mashed potatoes and gravy. Like, <laughs> okay. the nice thing about Thanksgiving is as long as you have one dish you like, there's enough of it that you're like you're set. You know. Like, you could hate everything but one thing, and you'll still have a good meal just because there's so much of everything unless, Thanksgiving. Unless multiple people make the same dish, and only one of those people successfully made it. Oh, that's a, oh, that's the worst. Yeah, because then everybody's going for, like, that mm-hmm. plate like of mashed the one, potatoes. The one good stuffing. Yep. Uh, yeah. Then Brutal. it's the worst. Uh, yeah. I like most Thanksgiving dishes, so that's not a problem for I, me. I think... Thanksgiving food is just okay. Um, my favorite parts of Thanksgiving are mashed potatoes and gravy. I'll eat those at any opportunity. Mm-hmm. Our buddy am, Ben also, Royer. The, oh yeah, Ben Royer's oh, anti mashed potatoes and gravy <laughs> makes no sense. The worst take so, I've ever seen. Oh my god, yeah. I can't believe he said that. It was bad. He one hundred percent doesn't even peel potatoes before he. Yeah, mashes I don't them. think like, he's, he's had just good mashed potatoes. I think he just like eats unseasoned runny mashed potatoes oh my Anyways, god i will eat mashed potatoes and gravy at any opportunity at hand i am picky about the quality but i'd say it's it's very hard to mess those two things up 
Like, if you mess those up, that's pathetic behavior. Um, I also like stuffing if it's done correctly. I've had some mm-hmm. bad stuffings in my day. I'm not a huge turkey fan. And honestly, that's probably just because I um, spend most of my Thanksgivings in white households where they don't know how to cook turkey. And <laughs> I'm not going to cook a whole turkey. Like, this Thanksgiving, I spent it just at my house. I didn't go home because of football. And I made pot roast, and it was the best decision ever because I got mashed potatoes and gravy and then i got beef which is a way better meat than turkey um and way easier to cook in my opinion so yeah i i i I like some of thanksgiving food but i'm okay i don't need the unseasoned turkey Mm -hmm. yeah that's fair I was just asking because uh, I kept seeing it and I was like, I wonder, wonder what these cats think about it. I mean, I know you, I know sometimes what y'all think about it, um, and we've had some insane takes, mainly in our Pac-12 little Pac-12 Twitter group chat, um, but also out on the TL on Twitter. Anyway, let's let's actually talk about hoops. We never go off on these kinds of tangents, but I just I just had to ask. Anyway, first up, uh, let's briefly talk about the UCLA-Gonzaga game because that was the big game that I think everyone was watching and paying attention to. Um, and I, I, like, It's been seven days now since that game has happened, so I want to talk a little bit more about what you think about UCLA now. So just some context setting here. UCLA and Gonzaga played in a one-versus-two matchup in Las Vegas. UCLA got blown out by 20 pretty early on. Um they were the game was really over in the first 10 minutes uh ucla played pretty even played an even game from then on but um you know never really able to cut the lead which is what happens when you play even and you're down 20 uh ucla did go on to play unlv in las vegas that saturday and they won that game handily um i think the the, i think it was a much better game from ucla but i'm wondering if the ucla gonzaga game made you think differently about ucla or you know, if you do, you still think they're the best team in the Pac-12, or are you kind of reevaluating how you feel about this UCLA team, Greg? What do you think? Um, you know, I'm I'm a little, I'm less sure of UCLA than I was before the Gonzaga game. I am definitely worried about what they can be without Cody Riley. Hopefully, they have him back for you know most of the season, and uh, I think they'll need him if they're going to make a tournament run without Cody Riley. I think Arizona's probably a better team just because of how good their bigs are. It's just a mismatch for UCLA. But with Cody Riley, I think UCLA is the best team in the Pac-12. But the gap is closer than I thought it would be coming into the season. And a lot of that has to do with how good Arizona's been. But some of that also is, uh, you know, different parts of UCLA's team underperforming at different times. You know, like... Jaime Hawkes missing shots or Johnny Chuzang's abysmal defense. And, you know, we knew that he wasn't a good defender, but uh, it's still been bad, you know? Yeah. Who would have thought I mean, Cody Riley would be the difference maker? That's literally, <laughs> what I, literally what I was about to say. If you've watched people who watch the UCLA tournament run, probably are like, oh, yeah, this Cody Riley guy kicks ass. Like, where <laughs> did he come from? That whole season last year. Oh, my God. Um, Cody Riley's mom blocked me on Twitter just because I could not be like, he's unplayable. Like, let's get Jalen Hill some minutes. Like, I just can't. I can't right now. It's not his fault. You know, he's a a good kid. I'm sure he's a great kid Um, and has certainly had his journey. uh, And and, and I respect and appreciate that. Could never do anything. I can do one-tenth of what he does on the court. One-tenth. One-one-thousandth of what he does on the court. Um, but he was unplayable. Anyway, 
Yeah, uh, this team needs Cody Riley to be elite. I I think that's kind of a stunning thing for me to say, given my feelings about Cody Riley in the past. There's always that one player where you're like, just can't get over uh, some of some of your past grievances about. But like, it's true. Cody, like UCLA needs Cody Riley to be elite. UCLA does not need Cody Cody Riley. I think to win the Pac-12. I don't think UCLA needs Cody Riley in order to you know make a deepish tournament run. But I do think they need Cody Riley to be a top five team pretty consistently. And Mick Cronin said this by the way after the Gonzaga game. Um, he was even like. This is not a top. This is not a, the number two team in the country without Cody Riley. Um, now I think that game there was all of the. It's kind of been memed to death, mostly by me. Um, that UCLA's players, some of UCLA's players, were dealing with some illness, maybe a flu, uh, maybe a stomach flu. We don't know. That was something that was kind of coming out, and then Mick Cronin, kind of in back-to-back press conferences, and the win over Bellarmine and the loss to Gonzaga was like, no that that's they had some sniffles like big deal it was not you know that had nothing to do like he was mostly just like ucla our team is soft right now is what he said um he said it it adds to our colossal softness i believe were his exact words (laughs) um which might be true um i do think that defensively ucla was not up to snuff in those first 10 minutes they got much much better um, when they started playing Gonzaga more evenly and you thought maybe they might cut a lead, they never really got it past 16. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, I don't think this makes me rethink about you. I don't think this makes, this makes me think that UCLA is fraudulent or like not the PAC 12's best team. I still think they're the best team in the PAC 12. I have some doubts about what they are going to be capable of against Gonzaga. If they face them in the tournament again, Chet Holmgren for Gonzaga, that dude is for real. And I just, mm-hmm. I don't think UCLA's bigs might be up to snuff for having to deal with Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren. Chet Holmgren, lank, like if people were watching this game, insanely lanky dude, but just like knew where to be at all times. Um, Jaime Hawkes bodied him up, tried to back him down, did kind of out physical him, but Chet Holmgren is just long and lanky mm-hmm. and is really good at positioning and blocked the shit exactly. out of Jaime Hawkes a couple Great of times. instincts. Incredible instincts. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Avery, what do you think? Do you think do you do you think about UCLA any differently? Was this kind of a fluke game? I think Chet Holmgren is my uh, sleep paralysis demon. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm absolutely yeah. terrified of him. He looks like a really stretched out Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> um, wow. I'm scared. I'm like genuinely afraid of this person. Oh um, my God. It's like really hard for me to like harshly judge UCLA here because this is the number one team in the country in November. Um, Was. So... They lost to Duke, by the way. Oh, that's true. Go Blue Devils. <laughs> At this time, they were the number one team in the country and they're a very good team. Um, I think the second half looked a lot better, but I don't know if that's because Gonzaga just didn't have their foot on the gas or not. Mm. Um, like that first half though, like it was devastating to watch UCLA just got completely owned. Um, but I, I do think like considering that it is November and Cody Riley's out, it's totally fair to still, consider UCLA to be the best team in the conference Arizona looks really good but they just haven't had a test anywhere near this like the Michigan team they played is fraudulent we all know this now so I'm not gonna judge UCLA too harshly 
until I just see them. And I think until I see them, honestly, for this whole conference, I'm not going to judge anyone too harshly until conference play. Besides yeah. the teams losing by games, I'll judge them harshly. Yeah. But it's just like, I don't think we have enough evidence here to say that UCLA isn't the best team in the conference. Yeah. So. I think also we were, uh, not we were, UCLA was the victim of some bad shooting luck in that game. Yeah. Like Gonzaga's yeah. always going to shoot well, but I feel like they were a little bit better than they normally would have been. And UCLA just could not hit the broadside of a barn. They were missing everything. Like, I swear, I was listening to the first half of that game on the radio and it was... And Hawkins has the ball. He gets to the rim, misses a layup over and over and over again. And a lot of that had to do with Chet Holmgren being awesome, but they were missing other shots too, you know? And I'm not saying UCLA should have won that game because Gonzaga was clearly the better team, but maybe it should have been a little closer. And when you add Cody Riley, that helps UCLA too. So I'm with y'all. I'm not going to judge him too harshly based on the game. Yeah. It does make me think, though— is this, you know, it does make me wonder, is this a good test for an Arizona team that does have two bigs, uh, Christian Coloco and um, Azulis Tubelis? You know, are the, I'd be curious. I wish in Arizona and Gonzaga had time to schedule a game. You know, Tommy Lloyd is obviously Gonzaga's architect, um, and Mark <laughs> Few is a Tommy Lloyd merchant. But, um, you know, what made me interested, like, is it just a matchup problem? Because UCLA is probably their biggest weakness is at 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 the pivot um at the four and the five in the paint i think miles johnson again just kind of struggled out there looked much better against unlv but was really struggling out there um yeah instead of getting arizona gonzaga we get washington gonzaga so that's great thank you everyone i can't wait who do you think do you think gonzaga paid washington for that game oh <laughs> is washington the buy game <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't want to know. I don't oh, care to know. Oh, man. I, I just, I really, nothing would make me, nothing would make me smile more than hearing that Gonzaga paid even just $1. They paid $1 to Washington to play them and schedule them. That's, it would, nothing would make my day more. <sighs> anyway, okay. So we all, we all kind of think maybe UCLA is still the Pac-12's best team, but we're not sure about their ceiling, and it's November, so I think that's fair. All right, had to get that out of the way. Now let's do a little bit more negativity. Why not? Um, since we're all getting bashed for negativity in all of our spaces, let's do another segment of Down Bad. Every week we talk about which Pac-12 teams had a rough week over the past week and talk about what that means for the conference as a whole. So... Let's start with Avery on this one. Avery, who was down bad this week for you? Yeah, this week specifically, I think Wazoo was down really bad. Um, they started out 5-0, and and I think everybody here was super, super high on Wazoo. And something we talked about like, is that they have a very weak non-conference schedule. So it was a concern for them looking at an at-large bid because they just don't have any games that would put them over the top in that category. And I think we all assumed that they would fairly easily go undefeated through their non-conference. And Wazoo lost to Eastern Washington on Saturday. Uh, I didn't get a chance to like watch this game live. I was watching a different team lose. Um, <laughs> but it they were up at 18 points at one point in this game. Like, they we're in complete control here it it's insane um they lost it was the final score was 76 to 71 so it ended up being a fairly close game but it wasn't like 
Eastern Washington was doing anything insanely well. Like they had a decent field goal percentage, but considering that Wazoo was up 18 points at one point, it just feels like they totally miffed on this one, which is super frustrating because it definitely hurts their opportunity to make it to the tournament this year. I think there's a lot of teams in the Pac-12 that can beat Washington State. Um, And so, I don't know, like they really needed to not lose a game like this. (laughs) And I'm upset about it because I was very, very high on Washington State and then they stabbed me in the back. So um, that's sad. We get to see them play Arizona State this week. So we'll see how that goes. Um, Hopefully better. But right now I'm feeling pretty down bad about Wazoo. Yeah, there were 19-point favorites coming into that game against Eastern Washington. Um, And, I mean, I think part of it, I kind of watched a little bit of highlights um, on this game, and it it seemed to me that Washington State was just missing a ton of shots. Um, And the ball, it's just a horrific shooting night. And, and, uh, you know, kind of looking at their field goal percentage of the night, 31% from the floor, 29% from three, 19 for 61 overall. Uh, that's a pretty rough shooting night, I think. Um, and that's, it's hard to win, um, especially when they're giving up 46% to Eastern Washington. So yeah, FAA Bagidi, we talked so much about how good he was for Washington state and how much he meant to them. And he kind of, he had a brutal game, um, finished with three points, four rebounds, one for six shooting. Um, yeah, Muhammad Gay also had a brutal game. His line was zero points, two rebounds, two assists, two steals, two blocks, but also two turnovers and four fouls. So yeah, kind of great. limited there. Um, so yeah, brutal, brutal game for Washington State for sure. Um, I picked for my down bad. It's Oregon for me. Um, boy, like Oregon's gotten exposed i i don't yeah oregon as a program right now like i have i have questions about oregon as a basketball program yeah, okay calm insane. down they've they've <laughs> they've lost three of four um we talked last week about their blowout uh loss to byu they beat chaminade which like everyone beats chaminade it's just <laughs> tradition yeah. uh, lost to saint mary's by 12 we're down eight uh, to St. Mary's. I think they only scored, I'm looking back on this, they only scored 15 points in the first half against yeah, St. Mary's. It was Mary's. a brutal game. Uh, yeah, absolutely horrific game from them. Their offense is, is d- down horrendous It's right really now. bad. Um, against Houston, got blown out by 30 points, 29 points to Houston. They scored 40, they didn't even hit the 50-point mark in that game. Um, they were trailing that game all, like, uh, immediately that they, they, they were non-competitive for mm-hmm. the entire 40 minutes they scored 19 points in the first half of that game this is not like i, I get it like i get that like dana altman like figures shit out later on he has never had a stretch like this he didn't have one game like this at all in his entire tenure he now has two of them um this this season and in both games could not get to 50 points um, only scored 73 against Chaminade. Only scored 50 in their loss to St. Mary's. Something is up. I, I don't know. Something's up with this team this year. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't like this. It's kind of making me pause about this whole narrative that this team will get better in February. Um, I don't know. Greg, You. I mean, do you disagree? You kind of feel like these are just early season woes? 
I think Oregon's going to improve a lot. I mean, they've got talented players. But at the same time, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be like your regular, you know, early season speed bumps because these are like early season car crashes. But uh, (laughs) uh, I do think they're going to get better. Like, I bet they will have a record that is comfortably above 500 in conference play when it's all said and done. Okay. The the big problem I have with what you said was uh, Oregon is a program, like... I don't think these early season losses have anything to, like, I don't think they'll have any impact on Oregon as a program going forward. Like, Oregon's recruited so well. Yeah, that's you know. It could just but, be this particular roster construction is yeah, not, it, I think it's this just one, not, just, doesn't gel. Mm-hmm, like, he missed a few times, and that's going to happen when you uh, rely so heavily on the portal and uh, turning it over, turning the entire roster over so often. Like, it's a miracle it hadn't happened already. Uh so, yeah, I'm not that low on Oregon going forward, but I do think, like, I would be shocked if at this point they finished the season having us thinking that they're better than either UCLA or Arizona. Frankly, at this season, I don't ex- at this point, I don't expect them to have a better season than USC either. Do you expect them to get into the tournament? You know, I have no idea what to expect from the Pac-12 in the tournament anymore because it's just like Washington State I thought I felt pretty good about making it but if they're gonna lose games to Eastern Washington like and teams like that then you know it gets more worrying I don't know what to think going forward for them yeah the the one good thing with Oregon is their three losses are to decent teams like mm -hmm. BYU's ranked now they weren't at the time St. Mary's is undefeated um, and they're always competitive. And then Houston was thirteenth. So like they aren't they aren't debt bad teams. It's just how the losses were. Like these are yeah. two of which were blowout losses. Like absolutely insane. And I'm I'm really disappointed with how Will Richardson's looked. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing is he just hasn't been shooting. Like he's averaging like the last the last five games. I think he's averaging like five points a game. So, yeah. and, and his field goal percentage isn't terrible. So it's not like he's missing shots. He's just not doing anything. And I think they really need to get him going in the offense. If you want your offense to work, he's, mm-hmm. he's probably he's your shoot. best shooter. And he's know. only, he's only getting up 3.2, three threes per game. I know it's early on. That's down from last year when he was hitting 3.9 and he was a 40% three point shooter last year. He's a 42% three point shooter so far through these, uh, through these five games so he's got he's got um he's got some stuff to figure out he's actually shooting worse from two than he is uh than he is from three this year yeah and And this is a career low for him it's bad it's oof Mm -hmm. it doesn't look good coming into this season we we talked about him as like maybe the best shooter in the conference but uh (laughs) definitely not looking at it looking like that at this point and Oregon needs him to be that if they're gonna make a comeback like I don't know where else the improvement's going to come from. Like, obviously, other guys can be better, but he's got to be the catalyst. Yeah, and they have, like, a fairly okay schedule going forward. They play Montana tonight. They're mm-hmm. a favorite to win by 13 points. And then UC Riverside, I don't know, maybe we'll get a crazy half-court shot again. And then Arizona State and Stanford. And I don't think Arizona State or Stanford are particularly good. So, like, I don't know. Maybe it's just because they were playing – teams that were much better than them but it's their offense is abysmal um i am back the pack all the way including oregon even though i go back and forth with oregon fans (laughs) but 
but <laughs> well, I mean, this this podcast, this this episode will drop after the game has been said. But wouldn't it be the funniest thing in the world if they lost to Montana? <laughs> oh, that'd be so, so good. Like, I want Oregon to win. I want Oregon to win, but I will enjoy it so much if they lose. Just Montana kicking ass in the Pacific Northwest. They're the real winners. Go Grizz. Go Grizz. Okay. Um, Greg, who's who's down bad for you? Okay, so uh, I went a little bit outside the box with my pick. Uh, I didn't go with a team that's like been disappointing in terms of how they've played. I just went with a team that is down bad but yeah utah's down bad right now because injuries are kicking their asses uh dushan mahorchich is uh uh probably out for the season with a knee injury uh he suffered like really early in the game against byu right after coming in it looked really bad like i've never seen a guy yelling like that for that long in that much pain before so i think he's gone for the season and uh going into the game wednesday against usc uh, Josh Newman, the Utah beat writer for the Salt Lake Tribune, said uh, Utah's probably only going to have eight scholarship players. Yikes. Which is bad. not a lot, you know? And for a team that already wasn't wasn't great with depth just because of how gutted the roster was and how it had to be completely rebuilt this offseason, it's just not looking good for what this season's going to be like because I have more faith in Craig Smith as Utah's coach than I did before the BYU game. But I think I'm also a little bit lower on what Utah season can be just because mm. it's going to get hard to close out games if every night you've got a seven-man rotation just because you don't have the guys available. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like the most frustrating reason to be bad, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, you just can't do anything. And losing Deshaun hurts especially because he just brought like – this good amount of toughness in the paint that yeah. sometimes Brandon Carlson is lacking. Like he's a very good rebounder and he like leaves it all out on the court. And so mm-hmm. that was really heartbreaking to see him go. And it's just issues with depth. Like we, we're not a great shooting team. Utah's not great at shooting. They don't have a great offense in general and they rely really heavily on defense. And that's just exhausting. Like if mm-hmm. you don't have guys that can come off the bench, like it's just a recipe for disaster, which is just heartbreaking. Cause I think everyone, was pretty excited to see what Craig Smith could do. And the season started super, super promising. And even after this loss to BYU, like it was a very close game. Like this was Mm -hmm. about as good as a loss could go for Utah. Like they were in it the entire game. They, like we said, they would (laughs) made BYU play at their level. Like I like Mm -hmm. to say that they drag teams to the dip depths of hell and make them play there. Cause it's just like, you're not going to have a fun time beating us. And so it's really sad because it's just I have a feeling we're just not going to know. We're just ha- it's it's going to be a season where it's marred by injuries and nobody nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to have any I idea think, what Utah actually is. Yeah, I think teams are going to hate playing Utah this year, especially in first halves. It's going to be a lot like this Utah BYU game was, where it's like a really close, gritty game, and at the end, Utah's just not going to have the depth to mm-hmm. keep up with teams late in games. And also, Utah doesn't have like a really good offensive uh, facilitator or scorer well, who can just do everything for you yeah. and like, get everybody going offensively. David Jenkins can score. He can shoot. But he's but on and off. And exactly. So it's not consistent enough to win mm-hmm. you games. Like He didn't score until the second part of the second half, I don't think, in this last game. And it's like that's, that's how shooters like him are. But mm-hmm. you can't depend on it. 
So it's and, it's hard to watch. <laughs> yeah, and Raleigh Wooster was really impressive in everything he did against BYU. Like defensively, yeah. he had Barcelo in the gulag. Yeah. <laughs> and offensively, I thought he was really impressive too. But he is also very limited offensively. Like he's just not a good shooter. And so that limits what you can do when your point guard, you know, can't shoot. So Utah's just in a very, very tough spot, and it's much tougher with the injuries they're going through. I miss Timmy yeah. Allen so much. So, so <laughs> much. And Alfonso Plummer. Oh, Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the thing, right, is I feel like, in addition to the depth, which I think was the bigger issue against BYU, um, again, Greg, like you were saying, when you're running a seven-man rotation out there, you just can't expect, especially early season, you just can't expect that to be sustainable. Um but Utah, to your point, Avery, just dragged BYU into the mud with them. Um, and, and this BYU team, ranked in the top 20, um, is, a, is a highly rated team per Ken Palm. Beat the shit out of Oregon, which, like, again, most good teams are right now. But, like, that counts for something. Utah, I, I, was, I was so – I know they're down bad because of the injuries and because of the depth issues but and, and like, kind of looking forward to maybe the picture's a little bit bleak. I've been very impressed with them, though. Um, Brandon Carlson just – bodying dudes down low and, mm-hmm. and bullying guys getting in position got some great where, moves now yeah like like bullying them and getting into whatever position he wants as a as a big man was he six eleven, seven foot i think um seven seven foot and he doesn't look like he can body guys up but he's like he was backing down pretty much anyone mm-hmm. who who got stuck on him, and that was really impressive. It's gonna be hard to figure out where the offense comes from. Really, where he started. Gotta be from him. Yeah, uh, it's Carlson. gotta it's gotta be from Brandon Carlson. He's it has just gotta to get more post touches, and he's gotta handle double teams a little better than he did against BYU. Right. I thought he did a fine job, but there were too mm-hmm. many times where they flustered him into a turnover or just taking like a hurried pass or shot that didn't lead to anything productive. If he can do that, then I'll have a little more hope for what Utah can be this season. But I also think it's a big ask when he's just not going to have much help from the perimeter. Yeah. He, well, he played better with Deshaun Mahorchich on the court, mm-hmm. and that's not happening anymore. I, I need Booth Gotch to step up. Yes. I, I need to hear Booth Gotch's name more because it just feels like he hasn't been involved very much. So hopefully that can generate some offense because when Booth Gotch gets going, the offense is really, really smooth, but it ju- I just haven't seen it. One for eight for him. Um, yeah. They're, they're mm-hmm. Utah's two guard. Not a not a great night from him. And, you know, if he hits that 50% there, we might be t- we might be talking about a different game because the, the final score of that mm-hmm. game was 75 to 64, but um, it, was it, was, it was much closer than that, right? The fouls, they, they were kind of fouling, which I kind of hate. Mm-hmm. It like, really makes the game. Barcelo, who is... I think he must have been 90% from the free throw line. Yeah, he's a great shooter. I think he might have missed one, but I swear he shot every foul shot at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, probably trying to get it to him. Um, Another down bad candidate this week, Arizona State. Um, What to say about this Arizona State team? I I just, uh, I'm confused about Arizona State. I feel like they're talented. I watch them. I watch them and I'm convinced that they have and genuine talent, but they got blown out by Loyola um, this week, got blown out. Uh, they actually were competitive with Syracuse. I'm not sure how good Syracuse is. Um, I think uh, apparently Syracuse is three and three. I don't know. I don't pay attention to truck stop basketball. <laughs> um, and they were medium competitive, kind of, sort of, with Baylor. I mean, it wasn't a 30-point blowout the way that Oregon suffered from, like, Houston, for example. Um 
but I don't know. That's now four losses in a row for the Sun Devils. One of them was a blowout loss to a good Loyola team. Um, but um, and, and sure, they're competitive in each of these games, but you got to win some of these. Probably had to win the game against San Diego State. Um, I think we talked about that last week. Had to win that game. You had to win. You, you might have. Pro- you probably had to beat Syracuse. The issue that's um, most concerning for me about Arizona State is that their wins and losses are wildly inconsistent. And I, I think in basketball, for me, it's like if you're gonna, it, it's a little like. Do you have an identity? And I don't think Arizona State has an identity. Yeah. Are they are they going to try to outscore teams and when they lose it's because they have a bad shooting night? Are they the kind of team that's going to play hard defense and the only way they lose is if, you know, the, uh, the dam breaks? You know, it just every game is wildly different to me. It has a wildly different character. It doesn't I don't know what Arizona's is Arizona State is trying to do at any given game. So they're another down back candidate for me. I don't think they have an identity. I think they're off to a pretty horrendous start. The schedule kind of lightens up. They've had a brutal schedule kind of early on. Um, they had to play, obviously, Loyola, Syracuse, Baylor, San Diego State, um, all all in a row um, and are on a four-game losing streak from that. They do get they, – they this stretch kind of continues a little bit against Washington State and then at Oregon. But then they get Grand Canyon, Creighton, uh, that's a good team. So maybe that's a tough one. Then they have San Francisco and Florida and m before they've got to play USC. So they got a few chances for more wins here, but yeah, that, that, that we were wondering if they were going to be a, a, a tournament bubble team. They have the talent for it, but clearly they're not, they're not there. Yeah. I, uh, I don't, I, yeah. I mean, I, w- I wish you could just meld ASU and Utah together and you'd have <laughs> a very fun team you have to watch. Craig Smith coaching a lot of talent yeah you have an identity (laughs) with the talent that bobby hurley has currently and then you know we'd have a team that i think we'd all really like watching but i don't like watching arizona state where they are right now uh it it just feels so chaotic and not in a good way yeah i don't like it's like i don't know what i'm watching you know whereas i watch arizona i watch ucla i watch utah i feel like i know what i'm watching and i like that much more i watch washington state i know what i'm watching there too even if they did have a rough week losing to Eastern Washington, and their defense can be suspect at times. I still, you know, offensively, Washington State's going to do a job, whereas Arizona State, you just have no idea what you're going to get from them. Yeah. All right, let's move on and talk about our peak of the pack. And now the peak of the pack. <laughs> Once again, so much pomp and circumstance for a week three of college basketball season. But every week we can talk about which teams had the best week of basketball. Greg, let's start with you. Who is your peak of the pack or who's is, who's at your peak of the pack? Who's at your peak of the pack? <laughs> um, the peak of the pack for me is USC, I think. Uh, they're still undefeated, and I think they had the best win of any Pac-12 program this week. Uh, when they beat San Diego State. San Diego State is not like some elite team. They're not a top 25 team, but they're a solid program. Like, that's not an easy game to win. And I felt like USC controlled it. Like, uh, there was a moment late where San Diego State brought it back with brought it back to within eight and it looked like hey maybe san diego state's gonna steal this one late or maybe it'll be a little bit like uh that arizona wichita state game but uh usc staved them off and ended up winning by 15 
and like that felt about right for how that game went. Isaiah Mobley had had a rough start to the season, I think. A lot of turnovers. Uh, in this game, he was fantastic. One of five from three, I think, but he was great in the paint, and I don't think he had any turnovers. Like he was just a real. It was just a really solid performance from him overall, and I think that's really encouraging for them going forward because they need they need him to be that guy. I don't think Boogie Ellis can be that guy for them. Yeah. No, I mean, I I USA had a great week. I think. Um, I I'm really impressed. I'm really I was I was. Uh, I'm really like like you were talking about. I'm really impressed with Isaiah Mobley for USC. I felt like to be able to beat the shit out of San Diego State the way that they did, um, mm-hmm. and to control that game. Contrast that with how Arizona State played that. Yeah, played played San Diego State and how that game went. Um, you know, USC was just com- in, in complete and total control over what was a top what thirty team in Kempom? top forty team holding them like to forty three is very impressive. And That's I'm just insane. seeing this now, but uh, San Diego State was a one and a half point favorite in that game. Yes, they were. Yeah, so yeah, USC looks kind of scary. Um, every week we're talking about who's like who looks scary, and USC uh-huh. certainly certainly does. Yeah, look. That defense could be nasty. Yeah, it looks it looks scary. Um, other peak of the pack. I don't know. This is kind of a down week for the pack 12. God, I have no idea. I guess it's, I guess it's Cal. <laughs> um, <laughs> very stupid to say that. Cause I don't think Cal is a particularly good team, but they did beat Fresno state, which don't think they're a particularly good team. Hey, they were undefeated coming into that game against Cal. They beat Santa Clara, Pepperdine, Idaho. Um, so maybe that's not like horrific stuff. Uh, it's not like a, it's not it was competitive but maybe that wasn't such a uh-huh. bad thing and then they were super competitive against a good Seton Hall team um they only lost by three they were they uh I think it led at some point late in the second I think they might have led late in the second half um and Seton Hall's a good team um yeah so that's not that's not horrific I don't I don't know what what you can say about Cal um Cal was not embarrassing this week and for they were them, not that embarrassing. Is a massive improvement yeah, not embarrassing. They're not. They're not Washington. Washington. We didn't even talk about them for down bad. Oh, Got blown yeah. out by a bad Nevada team, and then lost to Winthrop. Um, oh yeah, and I don't think the Winthrop game was particularly yeah. close, was it? I, it was an it was an eight point game, but Winthrop led at the half. It was not sort of yeah, a they were, kind of they were up comeback. thirteen. Winthrop was up thirteen yeah. at one point. Like Washington wasn't really ever in control. Winthrop did play competitively with Washington State, but kind of had to like a late comeback to make that yeah. single digit game. Very, very, very different. I think Washington State had a 19 point lead against Winthrop. Um, anyway, I know we're talking about peak of the pack, but I just, I just, and we we're talking about teams that weren't embarrassing. Cal, you didn't embarrass us this week. Washington absolutely embarrassed us. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's what we can say for Cal. But I was just kind of looking at this, and it was like. Stanford won one by thirteen against North Carolina A&T, uh, lost to Colorado by four. Washington State obviously lost to Eastern Washington. Utah, um, you could say their peak of the pack, I guess, uh, for playing competitive against They're BYU. We not talked bad. about them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not, it wasn't bad, and there's nothing there. Um, UCLA lost to Gonzaga, so I mean they had a great game against UNLV, um, but I just. You know, it was. It's not a great UNLV team, but they took care of business. Had played, had their best defensive effort of the season, I think. Uh, USC, you already talked about, Greg. Arizona didn't really play. They had Sacramento State. They blew them out. And Colorado, 
Well, Colorado know. won a conference they game. They won a conference them, game, I guess. But it was Stanford, and we know Stanford's not good. Yes, and Colorado's like winning all these games by like single digits, like a couple of possessions. It's like they beat Duquesne by eight. They beat Brown fifty-four to fifty-two by two. Um, they beat Stanford by four. So like, not a lot of. And that was an overtime game, was it? Yeah. Uh, yes, I think so. And then Oregon State, like. You know, oh, Oregon State! They're it's they're down this right now. It's 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 that I don't know. Wayne Tinkle might. I don't know. I guess his job's not on the line. You go to the Elite Eight at, at Oregon State. Yeah, you got an extension, while, but like, yeah, I don't. Just he's doing stuff. a pretty good job of tr- ruining that, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he really is. Might be on the hot seat next year if he doesn't turn this around at some point. Yeah. Anyway, so just it was hard for me. I'll I'll just say it was hard for me to pick a peak of the pack. Um, but Avery, who who's peak of the pack for you among all of those? Yeah, I'm deciding to go with a player because I can't choose a team. And I'm making this very clear. This team that this player plays for is terrible, and we rarely talk about them because they're so bad. And I'm going with um, Terrell Brown Jr. from Washington. He is one of their guards. He actually transferred in this offseason from Arizona. But he is averaging – sorry, I just – pulled my notes he's averaging 22 points a game four rebounds and four assists in the last four games he's just been off the charts scoring wise um a lot of the stuff with Washington that I think makes them so bad is they're just not good on defense um but on the offensive side Terrell Brown Jr. has just had an insane week um he had where is it he had 32 points versus South Dakota State, which I get is South Dakota <laughs> State, but still 32 yeah. points is a lot of points. Um, and then he had 19 in the loss to Nevada, and then he had 18 in the loss to Winthrop. And it's kind of interesting because Washington started 2-2, two and two, and I think we all were convinced they're dog shit. And then they went up to 4-2 and two, um, and looked like they might actually be achieving things. And then they turned around and lost to Nevada and Winthrop. Yeah. But Terrell Brown Jr. looks really, really good. And nobody's talking about him ever because Washington looks really, really bad. But he definitely is doing a lot more on this Washington team so far than he did at Arizona. So I think it was a really good move for him. Um, obviously Arizona is going to end up being the better team, but just like stat wise for himself, like this is definitely the spot for him and he's been kicking ass. Yeah. Yeah. Analytically, analytically he's our best player. Uh, leads the leads Washington and PER at 25.4, which is really nice. I know Greg hates that stat, but, um, (laughs) you know, box plus minus leads them among all rotation players. I think there's like one player that doesn't get any minutes and have like an insane 30 seconds or something. <laughs> um, but leads, but leads the team in box plus minus. This is crazy to crazy. There are only um, three players on Washington that have a positive box plus minus, um, which oh. means, uh, which means that they have a positive, like their, their team where their team is scoring more than the other when they're on the floor. Only three players. One of them is a, uh, Samuel Ayuribi, uh, he's only played seven minutes all season, but so that let's count him out. Count. So really, it's only yeah. two. Terrell, Terrell Brown is the second one, or basically the team leader. He's played obviously all of their games and is a, a star for them. He's got a nine point one box plus minus. PJ Fuller um, has a four point six box plus minus, and then everyone else on the team has a negative box plus minus. So that's brutal. How much does he have another year of eligibility? Um, Because 
I don't know. Maybe this maybe is he'll his transfer. Fourth year, but he'll probably have a year of eligibility with yeah because of COVID. COVID but yeah, he's he's also averaging like thirty seven minutes a game, which is a lot. Insane. That's insane. I mean, they need that but from him. They really. need it. Yeah, they he's carrying the team, mm-hmm. so he should get more love. But unfortunately, his team is it's just a, trash. It's not a yeah, brutal team. I know it's a good pick. Yeah. Okay. Well, good pick. Some good peak of the pack. Let's move on to make some predictions. All right. You all know the routine. Every week I select a tiny handful of games that I think are of intrigue to Pac-12 Hoops Casuals. And we make our picks. This week I have three. Kind of a light week, I think, in terms of intriguing games. First up, Wednesday, December 1st at 8.30 Pacific, Utah travels to Los Angeles to play number 20 USC. This is a conference game. Uh, Avery, who do you like here? Do you think Craig Smith drags USC into the mud and makes him sweat? I'm just really concerned about depth right now, and I don't think they're going to have enough time to adjust to Deshaun Hortich being out. So, uh, man, if if it weren't for that injury, I think it would be a much closer game, but... I think USC is going to win this one. I think it will be closer than people expect it to, unless you watch Utah. Um, but sadly, I think USC takes this one. Yeah, might, yeah. might run away with it late if if that's um, any indication. Yeah, Greg? I'm I'm with Avery. I think if uh, Mahorchich was healthy, it would be a different game. That being said, I still think Utah will keep it close with them for a half, and then maybe it'll be like a 15 point win for USC just because they have they just have more right now and their players are definitely more talented than Utah's so give me USC yeah I think I'm about the same um USC is obviously a much better and more talented team I really like what Craig Smith is doing though I I think it'll go exactly as you kind of all have said like I think Utah will keep it competitive for 30 minutes and then I can totally see USC just blowing it open in the final 10 um with Utah's kind of uh you know small rotation there we'll see um on saturday usc another usc again number 20 usc travels to pullman to play five and one washington state yet another conference game greg who wins that one i'm very excited to watch this one instead of truck stop football next mm-hmm. saturday uh but i'm i'm conflicted i don't know who i want to win i don't know who i think will win but i'm going to go with usc just because I think so far they've just been a little bit more convincing than Washington State has. I do think it'll be a close game, though. Yeah, I... This is... I'm really curious to see if Washington has Washington State has a nice bounce-back game. If uh-huh. F.A. Bagidi can have a nice bounce-back game against Isaiah Mobley, that'll be a fun matchup to watch if Muhammad Gay um, can kind of cause some problems. Washington State certainly has the size. I, I think they have a point a, a decent point guard in Terrell Ro- Tyrell Roberts. Oh, Boogie Ellis is going to be a problem. I, I think Washington State is better than we're giving them credit for. I we're not we're not tracking these right yeah give me washington state yeah i think you should i think, you sh- <laughs> well, I think actually, washington state go ahead when do we start tracking them because i thought we, we were going to start with conference play we should track them in jan- like january one when like the All conference right, yeah. when Sounds the conference when it's yeah. just conference play yeah and it's like regular like yeah. you know yeah. we're getting these weird conference games with non-conference i don't know why we're doing this this is the most i feel like non-conference games that i've seen played i don't yeah. know maybe i'm wrong early on but whatever um avery who wins yeah i'm gonna choose washington state 
I think All right. I don't offensively they could really yeah, give USC. They problems. have the length. Uh, they have a lot of raw ability. Um, other than that, I'm not really basing this off of anything in particular. Um, is, this a, is this a bad vibes game? <laughs> no, I just I really like Wazoo's length, and I do think USC is good, but I don't think they're untouchable. I just don't think they've yeah. matched up with anyone that can do anything. So. Yeah, I definitely think Wazoo could win this one. Okay. All right. Last one on Sunday, December 5th at 4 Pacific. ASU traveling to Eugene to play Oregon. Both teams down horrendous right now. Avery, who do you think wins? I think Arizona State's going to win just because they're capable of offense. Yeah. Like, I just, I just, Oregon is Colorado football, early Colorado football. I it's hard it's hard to watch them play offense and Arizona State can actually score so I think Arizona State's gonna win yeah I I, Oregon is these are I don't think these teams are far apart in terms of talent um so you would think it would come down to Dana Altman versus Bobby Hurley and which team which coach is gonna get their team to play but man Oregon looks horrific right now at least Arizona State has often looked competitive yeah I'm a I'm a pick Arizona State I'll pick Arizona State to to beat Oregon that would be really good for Arizona State just to get a little bit of confidence going and and if Arizona State does beat Oregon man I I, I think Oregon's in for a long season Greg who do you think wins I think these two teams are pretty similar right now but I just don't want to go into a game having picked Bobby Hurley to beat Dana Altman, and so I'll pick <laughs> Oregon. <laughs> That's a good reasoning there. Good yeah, reasoning. definitely the better coach. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get out of here. Um, for Greg at Bananamorphs and Avery at Brave underscore Grapes, I'm Carlos at Equity Bruin. Thanks for joining us, and remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even one. All right, I was wondering who was going to do it. I thought Greg was going to do it.